Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starts. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time and that whenever and wherever you are, when you happen to hear this recording, I want you to figure out a way to check in with yourself in this moment. Or maybe later, you know, when you're done listening to the show, um, figure out a way to check in with yourself. How are you handling what's happening around you and how are you able to process it? Or are you, it's okay if you're not, by the way, my, uh, son told me the other day, he said, you know, mom, I know what's going on. You know, I'm intelligent, I'm reasonable, and I see what's going on. I listen to the news, and I read the reports, and I see the numbers. I know what's going on, Mom. But it's going to take me years to process this properly. Because to fathom that we're going through what might possibly become the greatest pandemic in human history. It's a lot to take in all at once. And I want you guys to be aware that if you hear traffic outside my window, what you're hearing is the transit police, the regular city police, and the military driving by because they are in full force. You're not allowed out after two o'clock in the afternoon here and the military is enforcing it. We saw a guy, um, we didn't see him get arrested, but we saw them transporting a guy to the, to jail to process him. This is absolutely serious. I found out today that we are in the one country with the strictest of quarantine rules compared to all the other countries in South America, we have, we have this whole situation is it's locked down, man. (laughs) This is a full military enforced and police enforced, um, quarantine lockdown. And then I see, uh, things like, uh, Thousands of people went to Bondi Beach in Australia today. Thousands of people ignoring the orders to stay inside and to quarantine. It's scary. It's scary out there, guys. And, you know, this is happening throughout the United States. Two countries that are very, very hell-bent 
on doing whatever the hell they want. You know, all the people, most of the people I would say, you know, for me, me included, I'm, I'm a rebel and I want to have my freedom. I get that, but I don't want to get coronavirus. So I'm staying home. This absolutely sucks. (laughs) It sucks, but there's nothing we can do about it right now, except stay inside, pray and eat healthy, sleep, right? Get what you need, um, to just keep on keeping on. But I want you guys to really figure this out. What is it going to take for you to process what's going on? Um, I don't want you to bottle up your emotions. I don't want you to think about it. Um, say, I'll think about it later. I don't want you to put it to side because it's going to impede you and your spiritual progress and it can harm your mind and your psyche. If you don't figure out a way to process that you can meditate. If you have your telepathy, which is coming, it's coming. If you don't, don't worry. You will get it back. If you had it before and lost it, if you have never had it, it's on its way. It might take a while, you know, but it's not like I have certain gifts and you will never have them. That's not true. I have certain gifts and you're going to definitely have the same gifts I have because God does not play favorites with his children. We are all equal. We will all have all of the same gifts. It's just a matter of time and acceptance and working on yourself. And then they come right. In some cases you don't need to work on yourself. It's just, they will happen spontaneously with or without that. (laughs) So you can journal, you could talk to a friend, you can just write out, you know, type out a, a short story or just get your feelings out, you know, type it on your computer or write it in a journal with, you know, handwriting, scream into a pillow, Skype with your friends and complain. However, you're going to be able to process this is okay. There's no wrong way to process feelings and there's no wrong feeling to be feeling. If you feel giddy and alive and amazing and free and you're laughing your ass off and you think it's wonderful because what this means is the third of the people who are not going to spiritually grow, they're leaving the planet. They're just going to pop off the planet, go to heaven, wherever. And the rest of us get to enjoy heaven on earth because we brought that about. That's okay. Because I feel like you'll mourn later. If you're not in a, if you're in a revelry sort of, uh, mood, that's okay. If you're sad about it, but you want to put that off, eventually it's going to come to light though. I mean, a lot of us feel extremely sad about what's going on, but at the same time, we also feel extremely happy about what's coming. We're so excited. And that's okay to have both emotions at once. And that's okay. Don't feel guilty about having the happy emotions when you're also simultaneously having the sad emotions. And don't don't feel guilty if your uh, neighbors die of coronavirus. They weren't ready to handle what's happening, <coughs> what's coming. And <coughs> the way I look at this virus, it, it's like a big um, karma convention. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I don't know if I already have it. I don't know if I had it and got rid of it already. I don't know. 
it's not a thing, a matter of so-and-so deserves this, you know, or so-and-so deserves, you know, deserves to not get it. I mean, it's not a matter of deserving. It's a matter of this being one more vehicle in our world for people to leave if they're not ready to stay and take part in what's happening. It, it, this is following our soul's path. Where are we going to be? You know, now, if you paid attention to some of the people who have predicted this, Ralph Smart predicted it. Ralph uh, Smart and uh, Sylvia Brown predicted it before she died. She said there was going to be a flu-like, um, pneumonia-like uh, illness that will become a global pandemic. It'll, it'll take over the whole planet. <clears throat> and it will rise up really fast and spread really quickly. And then it will go away just as fast as it sprung up. And no one will hear from it or about it for a long, long time until about 10 years from now in 2030 again when it comes right back up. But it'll do the same thing. It will come up real fast. It'll go away real fast. And we will never, ever have it again on Earth. So even when coronavirus leaves, it's it's going to be lurking about for another 10 years. So you have to figure out a way to get your emotions out on this one. Um, and if you're not feeling the emotions, don't even think twice about it. Say, okay, well, tuck that information away, Elena, and I'll deal with it when I actually have emotions about it. A bunch of uh, police just went by. Earlier, when the sun was going down, we saw 10 police cars in a row, followed by 10 military vehicles in a row um, go by. This is, like, serious. I... Uh, usually we see maybe one, maybe possibly two ambulances every day or two, you know, not very often, you know, like one a day. Sometimes you don't see any. And today we, we've had like six or seven or eight ambulances in the morning, early in the morning, um, like seven or eight in the morning, there's a lady who goes around with a loudspeaker here and she says, of course, in Spanish, don't forget to wash your hands, keep your house clean, don't leave your house. Only if there's an emergency and you have to go to the doctor or you have to go get food at the grocery store. Other than that, you are to stay in your homes at all times and not leave. I mean, they are doing every measure you could possibly do to keep the country safe. And it's, it's actually paying off because I'm going to tell you guys, it's, it, it is going to grow. Obviously it's like, you can't contain this hundred percent, but yesterday, what do we have? 1200 cases. And today we have 200 more, well, 192 more, 1403 cases. Um, and where I live, I think it's like 34 cases or something or 30 something cases, but we've only had 34 deaths and five new deaths today here in Ecuador. We have 1,366 cases still. Only three people have recovered from this thing here in Ecuador. So pretty scary. But this is the sad news of, first of all, um, I didn't even know we have 
199 countries and territories. But there you go. That's how many uh, places the coronavirus is affecting. 199 countries and territories. And one international conveyance, which is, of course, the Diamond Princess cruise ship. Which is still, I believe, anchored in Yokohama, Japan. Anyway, the United States is number one. Nothing to brag about in this case, though. They have 85,377 cases of COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. That is more than any other country on Earth, including China, Italy, and Spain. So today alone, the United States has 17,166 brand new cases. Stay the hell at home, guys. Tell everybody you know, to all your social media people, stay the hell at home. It's not good, man. The United States has had uh, 1,295 deaths uh, from the coronavirus directly. Today, 268 people died in the United States in the past 24 hours. China, on the other hand, only had five new deaths. I mean, so to look comparatively, China has had 4,000 less cases since the beginning of this thing than the United States has right now. It's crazy. Italy has 6,203 new cases, 712 new deaths. Spain has 718 new deaths. And they have 57,786 cases. In uh, Spain, they have 8,271 brand new cases as of today. Germany has 6,615 cases that are brand new and 61 new deaths. Iran, 2,389 new cases. France has 3,922 new cases. Iran and France are both hovering around um, the low 29,000s as far as cases. Germany has 40, almost 44,000. Spain has 57,786. But the United States is uh, number one. It's not a competition they should have strove for, right? Seriously, don't go to the damn beach. Don't go outside. Don't go outside nature. Don't breathe anything in nature. You don't know who was there in that air an hour before you got there. Were they coughing? Did they have a face mask on? I mean, it's so scary, you guys. This is... I mean, young people are dying from this. People in their 20s. A 17-year-old died from this. With a healthy immune system, I believe, in California. You know, I just... It's like I'm looking at this just... Oh, my God. I don't want to have to keep harping on it, though. Just, you know, wash your hands, you know. Yeah, Diamond Princess, they've only had 10 people die. 597 have recovered. They have 105 active cases. They're still parked out there. That's crazy, right? Really, really crazy. Um, Anyway, so that's what's going on. Uh, The whole world from the beginning until right now, how many cases total have there been? 531,799. 
So basically one case more, and it's going to be, which I'm sure has already happened while I've been talking, 532,000 cases. You know, it's not like, you know, sure, okay, it hasn't killed off as many people as a flu even in the United States. But the, the, what makes it scary and dangerous is that it is mutating rapidly. It's being spread rapidly. The only way we're going to contain it is if people stop getting infected from it. So, you know, if the last infected people are, are stuck indoors and they don't come out for four weeks, then there will be absolutely no more virus left, period. We won't have to worry about it ever again. But um, today there's been 2,789 new deaths from this. And there's 60,764 new cases just from today. And total deaths overall since the beginning, 24,071 total deaths. So it's approaching the numbers of the flu worldwide, but it's not even begun it's not even begun. It just wait. It's gonna get worse. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong on that. So, you know, it's just um, I don't know, guys. This is this is serious. A lot of people are not really taking it seriously, and it's the people who aren't. The president of the United States is not taking it seriously, but we can't take him seriously. When he says he wants thousands to pack it into churches, he's basically giving people a death sentence if they follow those words of advice. And we can't, we can't risk our people. So don't risk your family. Don't risk your, you know, just be absolutely adamant that they stay home. Wash your hands, social distancing, all that stuff that they've been bombarding us with for a while. I'm on day 10 of my quarantine and my son and I, uh, about four or five days ago, we started eating a bag of potato chips, a big one. We ate about half of the bag. We're like, oh, we have to have potato chips. It's been like five days. Ah, you know, we're Irish. We have to have potatoes. (laughs) And today I said, okay, I'm going to go in, going into the freezer where we keep the potato chips. And my son's like, okay, so we, we each had like two potato chips, the equivalent of two potato chips. And we savored every second of it. Put the bag back in the freezer and said, okay, in a few days we'll have another one. It's like crazy. And, and, and today we had one piece of chocolate. We each had one shot of whiskey <laughs> to keep our, our um, immunity up. And also it does kill germs. So... Remember, if you have more than one shot of whiskey, it will lower your immune system, but one will actually brace up your system. Proven fact, when it's scotch whiskey, you know, from aged whiskey from Scotland. And that's what we've got. But um, what else? Uh, Something else we did. Oh, we had some, my son made lemonade, and he put a little bit of cream of tartar in it. And he said, there's got to be something that they're adding at the state fair lemonades. There's like a secret ingredient. I'm going to find it out. And we happen to have cream of tartar and he tasted it. And he's like, ooh, it's so bitter. So he put a little bit in the lemonade 
And he said, try this, see what you think. And I tried it. Oh my God. It's like what I remember by going to the Sacramento state fair in California. I, this is what I remember the lemonade there tasting like. I remember eating the chip, witches. <laughs> and then we were real, like reminiscing today about fairs we've been to in California where you get the best lemonade, probably, you know, homegrown citrus. But now we think that they had the, the cream of tartar, but we always had the um, ice cream sandwiches and the sandwich part is made from a chocolate chip cookie. And we were like, oh my God. And they call them chip witches. Oh my God. It's so good. So of course, you know, we're like, you know, wishing, <laughs> wishing we didn't run out of chocolate chips and we could make cookies here, but and for about two days, I've been already fantasizing when I'm able to go next door and get the weird ice cream sandwiches for 50 cents. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's like you start thinking about all the things you can't have. I think we ran out of um, bread. We ran out of, um, my son made a loaf of bread out of uh, coconut flour. And then we had hemp seeds and um, linseeds or flax seeds and also um, chia seeds. And and so it's very high in nutrient value. And it's this artisanal bread he made. And we just, I think we, I think we might have like one piece of it left or we ran out. And it's just like, we're just so sad. We're very slowly running out of butter to put on that bread. (laughs) So... I don't know. That's what we're thinking of today. We're focused a little bit more on the food that we're starting to now run out of, you know, um, we still have a few more tomatoes so we could have a tomato based sauce for our pasta. Just maybe, maybe two or three more times and then we're done. And we have a little bit just for, to make a, a soup. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, we have two beets, two carrots left. You know, it's like getting down to the wire and we're like, I don't know. I have cabbage, so we might make some kind of a, a stew maybe tomorrow or beans, you know. But we're just like, that's what we're focused on is like food. Like it's, and I only eat one meal a day, one really good, healthy, hearty meal per day. And like I said, like my snack consisted today of two potato chips. <laughs> it's not a lot, but we're rationing the hell out of this because we're watching the military go by every single day. I mean, they start patrolling the minute it turns two and all of a sudden they're out in full force. It's getting really, really serious here. It is what it is. I just looked in my phone said 22 minutes and 22 seconds. I've been talking about all this stuff, but anyway, I want you to figure out how you're going to process this stuff make write poetry about it angry poetry write a speech as if you're talking to people on stage ted talk write your best ted talk about this write in a dear you know dear diary fashion or maybe a short story or make it a fictionalized thing you know write the next great american novel or movie now you got time right But find a way, I mean, even if it's just talking to a friend about how you feel or posting things online, whatever it is, just um, 
make sure you get out all your motions that you need to get out regarding this and make sure that you are processing things that you're actually allowing yourself to feel the feels. I mean, this is hard and it's not just you going through it. It's everyone in the world going through it. My son and I thought about having a blog about this. And then we thought, well, it's not like not everyone in the whole wide world is going through the exact same thing, right? Some of you haven't even gotten to the quarantine part yet. If it doesn't blow over by such and such a date, then we it's not going to blow over. I just want the politicians to get their heads out of their butts and actually do something. Watch how the China numbers are going down. Watch how think people are flattening the curve <clears throat> in certain places. I'm pretty sure we will end up flattening it here. It might take another week or two, but I have a feeling it's going to be quick here in, in Ecuador. I hope so. I'm hoping they keep the country closed for six months to travelers because I just want it to be done everywhere else, you know, before they start allowing planes back in because then we won't get rid of it. It'll keep, keep coming back, you know? Anyway, um, let's see. As far as spaceweather.com is today, uh, the sun is blank. This is 16 days now without a sunspot. Um, they're talking about noctilucent clouds over the South Pacific. There's a picture here, but I'm looking this going, well, okay, fine. Practically looks like every cloud formation I've seen. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's super special. But the noctilucent clouds um, that appear over the South Pacific, it's rare for it to happen there. So, um, it's weird. I've never even, I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever even noticed these clouds so much. But if you know what they are and you want to see a picture, you could go to spaceweather.com to see it. The solar wind has picked up a little bit, 404 kilometers per second. Again, no sunspots to speak of. Thermospheric climate index is cold and the cosmic radiation is very high the neutron count in the air is very high I don't know about you guys but I feel really really bombarded with a lot of light information I'm barely able to keep my eyes open even as I'm speaking because of so much energy coming in right now and my ears have been ringing like crazy um, the fear has started to dissipate around me now. So I'm somehow accepting everything that's going on. I'm not as afraid. Um, little worried still, but afraid is a different thing. So I want you guys to check in with yourself and see where you're at and how you're feeling. As far as a corona hole in the sun putting out solar winds, there has not been any new activity. Sunday and Monday will be when those solar winds hit earth because they were going very slow when they left the sun. So according to NASA's all sky fireball network, there were nine fireballs over the United States today. So, all right, now I'm looking at, Oh wow. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Power 10 is not very much. Uh, DisclosureNews.it, that's all they're saying today. Schumann Residence, 10. All right, well, so not a lot going on, but 
what's very, very weird, if you want to go to DisclosureNews.it, they show that the energy is coming in waves, and they're showing up in bands. And what I can count is, okay, there's one that looks like Morse code, very low on the page. Looks like a perforated white line. There's very teeny tiny white pillars that are so faint they're not being registered by the instrumentation. And there's bands, and I'm looking at this going, okay, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, possibly ten, and then a faint, maybe eleventh and twelfth, possibly, bands going horizontally across the page. And yet the biggest number registering on the Schumann resonance scale, as far as they're concerned, it's ten. Not much, right? Not much at all. Now, as you recall, on the 24th, on Tuesday, we're going to say they were at about 734 in Hulului, South Africa. Keep 734 hertz frequency in mind as we go through these other numbers. California start off at midnight tonight at 55 hertz frequency. By 4 a.m., they were down to 54 hertz frequency. And Hofuf, whoa, Hofuf Saudi Arabia came up off the mat, guys. Woo, all right, here we go. She's back in business over there. All right, and, and by she, I mean the machine calculating, crunching the numbers. Okay, so at midnight, Hofuf Saudi Arabia, they were at 27 hertz frequency, and they remained there until 4 a.m., and in Lithuania, they started off at 141 hertz frequency at midnight. And by 4 a.m., they were at 140 hertz frequency. So it went down just by one, not much. Alberta, Canada started off at 72 hertz frequency at midnight. And by 4 a.m., they were at 73 hertz frequency. Again, not a whole lot of that movement there. All right. Now, Northland, New Zealand started off at 13 hertz frequency at midnight and went down to zero by 4 a.m. So I thought that was interesting. And, um, oh my God, Hulului. Hulului, South Africa, started off at 75 hertz frequency at midnight and by 4 a.m. they were also at zero. So remember, they went up from, you know, 734. Was that it or 743? 734. So yeah, so they went from 734 just on the 24th to today. Two days later, they're at zero. They have always been wildly fluctuating, it seems. For months, it's been that way. All right. In A Course in Miracles, we are on Lesson 262 today. And you can find the Foundation for Inner Peace at ACIM.org. Or you could just go get your own app and check it out for yourself. You could read all the lessons at once if you want, or one a day is preferable. Go through it very, very deeply. I always go over them eh, pretty shallowly. I don't, you know, meditate on it and do all the deep stuff because that's your inner work. That's what you need to do for yourself if you are so inclined and I don't want to force it on anyone. But by reading the lessons, we start to unravel a lot of the stuff from our uh, childhoods and our religion 
um, if we were a Christian, especially our religious pasts, it kind of filters that stuff out and makes us more clear. This set of lessons, um, it's unique and it's like no other. So I love to read them and feel the emotions that come up and the energy and high vibe that I feel when I hear the words makes me, um, vibe very high and very happy. I like it. I hope it's doing the same for you guys. All right. Lesson 262 is this. Let me perceive no differences today. Let me perceive no differences today. Father, you have one son and it is he that I would look upon today. He is your one creation. Why should I perceive a thousand forms and what remains as one? Why should I give this 1,000 names when only one suffices? For your son must bear your name. For you created him. Let me not see him as a stranger to his father, nor as a stranger to myself. For he is part of me and I of him, and we are part of you, who are our source, eternally united in your love, eternally the Holy Son of God. We who are one would recognize this day the truth about ourselves. We would come home and rest in unity. For there is peace and nowhere else can peace be sought and found. Let me perceive no difference today. Again, this is lesson 262. You can find it on an app or Foundation for Inner Peace. And there you have it. There you have it for right now. I'm going to take a quick break, guys. And when I come back, we are going to go over Chinese folk tales. There's usually a moral to the story. Some of them are meant for entertaining But a lot of these old fairy tales coming out of China are very um, deep and requires much thinking beyond what the surface story looks like. Usually they have their basis in Taoism or in Confucianism or even in Buddhism. And you will see the cultural values that are instilled sometimes in these stories. And some of these stories are very, very old, like from old ancient dynasties. So we're going to learn about some of these today. So, and why, and while we do this, by the way, I want you guys to imagine all the Chinese people, all the Chinese people whose grandparents told them these stories. And now these, and imagine the old people in China, their great grandparents and grandparents pass these down through generations. And they're now doing the same to their own grandkids. Imagine what the country's going through right now with the COVID-19. They're on their road to recovery. It might be too soon to tell. It might be another outbreak coming. You know, they're scared over there. So while I'm reading from stories from their culture, I want you to imagine just sending them love, sending them light, working to know their culture a little bit more. And I think it's important to learn about other people's cultures. You know, now it's not, it's not appropriate to start dressing like people's cultures and speaking like you're part of that. And, you know, cultural 
appropriation is not good, but learning about another culture that I don't think there's anything wrong with this. And so I'm going to read a lot of these stories I found on fairy tale Z or fairy tales.com and then forward slash region forward slash Chinese. And they have a lot, they have fairy tales from all over the world. And I think every now and again, I'm going to, I'm going to bookmark this site and every now and again, we're going to start learning about fairy tales from all over the world. So we're going to do that right after I come back after this quick little message. guys I'm gonna just jump right on in the first story is taken from the Chinese fairy book obviously translated from the original Chinese and it is called the dangerous reward once upon a time a man named Hu Wu Bao who lived near the great mountain went walking there one day and there under a tree, he met a messenger in a red robe who called out to him, The Lord of the Great Mountain would like to see you. The man was much frightened, but dared offer no objection. The messenger bade him shut his eyes, and when he was allowed to open them again after a short time, he found himself standing before a lofty palace. He entered it to see the god. The latter had a meal prepared for him and said, I only sent for you today because I had heard you intended traveling to the west. And in that case, I should like to give you a letter to take to my daughter. But where is your daughter? asked the man. She is married to the river god, was the reply. All you need to do is take along the letter lying there. When you reach the middle of the yellow river, beat against the side of the ship and call out, Green Coat. Then someone will appear and take the letter from you. And with these words, he handed Hu Bao the letter, and he was taken back again to the upper world. When he came to the Yellow River on his journey, he did what the Lord of the Great Mountain had told him and cried, Green Coat! And sure enough, a girl in green garments rose from the water, took him by the hand, and told him to close his eyes. Then she led him into the palace of the river god, and he delivered the letter. The river god entertained him splendidly and thanked him as best as he knew how. Yeah, thanked him as best he knew how. At parting, he said, I am grateful that you have made this long journey to see me. I have nothing to give you, however, save this pair of green silk shoes. 
While you are wearing them, you can keep on walking as long as you like and never grow weary. And they will give you the second sight so that you will be able to see the spirits and the gods. The man thanked him for the gift and returned to his ship. He continued on his journey to the west and after a year had passed, came back again. When he reached the great mountain, he thought it would be fit and proper to report to the god. So he once more knocked against the tree and gave his name. In a moment, the red-clad messenger appeared and led him to the lord of the mountain. So he reported that he delivered the letter to the river god and how things were there, how all things were there, and the lord of the mountain thanked him. During the meal, which the god had prepared for him, he withdrew for a few moments to a quiet spot. Suddenly he saw his deceased father bound and loaded with chains, who together with several hundred other criminals was doing menial labor. Moved to tears, he asked, Oh, my father, why are you here? His father replied, During my life on earth, I happened to tread on bread. Hence, I was condemned to hard labor at this spot. I have passed two years in this manner, yet their bitterness has been unspeakable. Since you are acquainted with the Lord of the mountain, you might plead for me and beg him to excuse me from this task and make me the field god of our village. His son promised to do so and went back and pleaded with the Lord of the mountain, as he had agreed. The latter seemed inclined to listen to his prayer, yet said warningly, The quick and the dead tread different paths. It is not well for the dead and the living to abide near one another permanently. The man returned home, yet in about a year's time nearly all his children had died. In the terror of his heart he turned to the lord of the great mountain. He beat on the tree, the red coat came and led him into the palace. There he told of his misfortune and begged the god to protect him. The lord of the mountain smiled, did I not tell you in the start that the quick and the dead tread different paths, and that it is not well if they abide near each other permanently? Now you see what has happened. Yet he sent his messenger to fetch the father's, I mean, to fetch the man's father. The father came and the God spake to him as follows. I forgave you your offense and sent you back to your home as a field God. It was your duty to bring happiness to your family. Instead, nearly all of your grandchildren have died off. Why is this? As the father said, I had been away from home so long that I was overjoyed to return. Besides, I had meat and drink in overflowing measure. So I thought of my little grandchildren and I called them to me. Then the Lord of the Great Mountain appointed another field god for that village and also gave the father another place. And from that time, no further misfortune happened to the family of Hubu Bao. Now note, the Lord of the Great Mountain was originally Huang Fei Hu, faithful servant of the tyrant Chao Xin. Because of an insult offered him, 
he joined King Will, and when the latter overcame the tyrant, he was made Lord of the Mountain, and overlord of the, of the ten princes of the netherworld. This next one is called Halos of the Saints, also taken from the Chinese fairy book. The true gods all have halos around their heads. When the lesser gods and demons see these halos, they hide and dare not move. The master of the heavens on the dragon tiger mountain meets the gods at all times. One day the god of war came down on the, to the mountain while the mandarin of the neighboring district was visiting the master of the heavens. The latter advised the Mandarin to withdraw and hide himself in an inner chamber. Then he went out to receive the God of War. But the Mandarin peeped through a slit in the door, and he saw the red face and green gar garment of the God of War as he stood there, terrible and awe-inspiring. Suddenly, a red halo flashed above his head, whose beams penetrated into the inner chamber so that the Mandarin grew blind in one eye. After a time, the God of War went away again, and the Master of the Heavens accompanied him. Suddenly, Guan Di said with alarm, Confucius is coming. The halo he wears illumines the whole world. I cannot endure its radiance even a thousand miles away, so I must hurry and get out of the way. And with that, he stepped into a cloud and disappeared. The master of the heavens then told the Mandarin what had happened and added, Fortunately, you did not see the god of war face to face. Whoever does not possess the greatest virtue and the greatest wisdom would be melted by the red glow of his halo. So saying, he gave him a pill of the elixir of life to eat and his blind eye gradually regained its sight. It is also said that the scholars wear a red halo around their heads, which devils, foxes, and ghosts fear when they see it. There was once a scholar who had a fox for a friend. The fox came to see him at night and went walking with him in the villages. They could enter the houses and see all that was going on without people being any the wiser. But when at a distance the fox saw a red halo hanging above a house, he would not enter it. The scholar asked him why not. Those are all celebrated scholars, answered the fox. The greater the halo, the more extensive in their knowledge. I dread them and I do not dare enter their houses. Then the man said, But I'm a scholar too. Have I no halo which makes you fear me instead of going walking with me? There's only a black mist about your head, answered the fox. I have never yet seen it surrounded by a halo. The scholar was mortified and began to scold him, but the fox disappeared with a hoarse laugh. Ha 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 ha! Note, this tale is told as traditionally handed down. The master of the heavens, Tian Chi, who dwells in the Lung Hu Shan, 
is the so-called Taoist Pope. All right, this next story is called Lao Tzu, taken from the same book. I think all these are from the same book. If it changes, I will let you know. But uh, if you ever get the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tse or Lao Tzu, this is the same person, Lao Tse. My um, interactions with Grandma Marion, she told me that as a child, Lao Tse would come to her. And she said to me once, well, you know, Lao Tse was Jesus before Jesus was born. You know, he, before Yeheshua was born. And he was Chinese and he wrote the Tao Te Ching. And so I walk with Lao Tse and I always have my whole life, even though I love Jesus very much, I prefer the incarnation of Lao Tse. He's just so funny. And so he comes to me in that form. So I thought that was always very interesting. And she always said, yeah, I just call him Lao Tse. I know his name is Lao Tzu, but I always called him Lao Tse. And so here I am, you guys, looking at this on fairytales.com, and it says Lao Tzu. I'm like, oh, isn't that funny? I had no idea that Chinese people called him Lao Tzu too. I, or I mean Lao Tzu also. Very strange. So I, I'm feeling a little bit more... Uh, I don't know. I just, it, it gave me kind of a strange feeling. It's like, I, I feel closer to Marion right now. I love grandma Marion, uh, Jones. If you have not listened to any of my Reverend Marion Jones, uh, stories, I, I had like about four months worth of on Saturdays last year. I, I can't remember what months, maybe February, March and April, something like that. Just look up uh, Google for Reverend Marion Jones or Grandma Jones or Grandma Marion stories. Um, basically, just Grandma Marion and Metaphysical Soul Speak, and you'll find it. But she was a very special person. I'm pretty sure she was a saint and is someone that I knew, and I wanted to share stories of her. Anyway, um, anyway, here we go. Lao Tzu. We're going to read this one now. Lao Tzu is really older than heaven and earth put together. He is the yellow Lord or ancient who created this world together with the other four. At various times, he has appeared on earth under various names. His most celebrated incarnation, however, is that of Lao Tzu, the old child, which name he was given because he made his appearance on earth with white hair. He acquired all sorts of magic powers by means of which he extended his lifespan. Once he hired a servant to do his bidding, he agreed to give him a hundred pieces of copper daily, yet he did not pay him. And finally, he owed him seven million, two hundred thousand pieces of copper. Then he mounted a black steer and rode to the west. He wanted to take a servant along, but when they reached the Han Gu Pass, the servant refused to go further and insisted on being paid. Yet Lao Tzu gave him nothing. When they came to the house of the guardian of the pass, red clouds appeared in the sky. The guardian understood this sign and knew that a holy man was drawing near. So he went out to meet him and took him to into his house. He questioned him with regard to hidden knowledge. 
But Lao Tzu only stuck out his tongue at him and would not say a word. Nevertheless, the guardian of the pass treated him with the greatest respect in his home. Lao Tzu's servant told the servant of the guardian that his master owed him a great deal of money and begged the latter to put in a good word for him. When the guardian's servant heard how large a sum it was, he was tempted to win so wealthy a man for a son-in-law, and he married him to his daughter. Finally, the guardian heard of the matter and came to Lao Tzu together with a servant. Then Lao Tzu said to his servant, You rascally servant, you really should have been dead long ago. I hired you, and since I was poor and could give you no money, I gave you a life-giving talisman to eat. That is how you still happen to be alive. I said to you, if you follow me into the west, the land of blessed repose, I will pay you your wages in yellow gold. But you did not wish to do this. And with that, he patted his servant's neck. Thereupon the latter opened his mouth and spat out the life-giving talisman. The magic signs written on it with cinnabar, quite fresh and well-preserved, might still be seen. But the servant suddenly collapsed and turned into a dry heap of bones. Then the guardian of the past cast himself to earth and pleaded for him. He promised to pay the servant for Lao Tzu and begged the latter to restore him to life. So Lao Tzu placed the talisman among the bones and at once a servant came to life again. The guardian of the past paid him his wages and dismissed him. Then he adored Lao Tzu as his master and the latter taught him the art of eternal life and left him his teachings in 5,000 words which the guardian wrote down. The book which thus came into being is the Tao Te Ching, or as we know it, the Tao Te Ching, the book of the way and life. Lao Tzu then disappeared from the eyes of men. The guardian of the past, however, followed his teachings and was given a place among the immortals. And there's a note here. It says, The Taoists like to assert that Lao Tzu's journey to the West was undertaken before the birth of Buddha, who, according to many, is only a reincarnation of Lao Tzu. The guardian of the Hangu Pass is mentioned by the name Guan Yin Hai in the Lia Tzu and the Chuang Tzu. Those all have Ds in front. If, I, if you are a Chinese and you're listening to my pronunciations, you're probably laughing yourself silly right now. My apologies for uh, not saying the names correctly. All right, so the next one is called The Talking Silver Foxes. The silver foxes resemble other foxes, but are yellow, fire red, or white in color. They know how to influence human beings, too. There is a kind of silver fox which can learn to speak like a man in a year's time. These foxes are called talking foxes. Southwest of the Bay of Kouchou, there is a mountain by the edge of the sea shaped like a tower and hence known as Tower Mountain. 
On the mountain there is an old temple with the image of a goddess, who is known as the Old Mother of Tower Mountain. When children fall ill in the surrounding villages, the magicians often give orders that paper figures of them be burned at her altar or little lime images of them be placed around it. And for this reason, the altar and its surroundings are covered with hundreds of figures of children made in lime. And paper flowers, shoes, and clothing are also brought to the old mother and lie in a confusion of colors. The pilgrimage festivals take place on the third day of the third month and the ninth day of the ninth month. And then there are theatrical performances and the holy writings are read. And there is also an annual fair. The girls and women of the neighborhood burn incense and pray to the goddess. Parents who have no children go there and pick out one of the little children made of lime and tie a red thread around its neck or even secretly break off a small bit of its body dissolve it in water and drink it then they pray quietly that a child may be sent to them behind the temple is a great cave where in former times some talking foxes used to live they would even come out and seat themselves on a point of steep rock by the wayside when a wanderer came by they would begin to talk to him in this fashion wait a bit neighbor first smoke a pipe the traveler would look around in astonishment to see where the voice came from and would become very much frightened. If he did not happen to be exceptionally brave, he would begin to perspire with terror and run away. Then the fox would laugh, <laughs> Once a farmer was plowing on the side of a mountain. When he looked up, he saw a man with a straw hat wearing a mantle of woven grass and carrying a pick across his shoulder coming along the way. Neighbor Wang, said he, first smoke a pipeful and take a little rest. Then I will help you plow. Then he called out, Hoo! the way farmers do when they talk to their cattle. The farmer looked at him more closely and saw that he was a talking fox. He waited for a favorable opportunity, and when it came, gave him a lusty blow with his ox whip. He struck home, for the fox screamed, leapt into the air, and ran away. His straw hat, his mantle of woven grass, and the rest he left lying on the ground. Then the farmer saw that the straw hat was just woven out of potato leaves. He had cut it into two with his whip. The mantle was made of oak leaves tied together with little blades of grass, and the pick was only the stem of a cowling plant to which a bit of brick had been fastened. Not long after, a woman in a neighboring village became possessed. A picture of the head priest of the Taoists was hung up in her room, but the evil spirit did not depart. Since there were none who could exorcise devils in the neighborhood, and the trouble she gave was unendurable, the woman's relatives decided to send to the temple of the god of war and beg for aid. But when the fox heard of it, he said, I am not afraid of your Taoist high priest 
nor of your god of war. The only person I fear is your neighbor Wang in the eastern village, who once struck me cruelly with his whip. They suited the people to a T. They sent to the eastern village and found out who Wang was. And Wang took out his ox whip and entered the house of the possessed woman. Then he said in a deep voice, Where are you? Where are you? I have been on your trail for a long time. And now, at last, I have caught you. With that, he snapped his whip. The fox hissed and spat and flew out of the window. They had been telling stories about the fox the talking fox of Tower Mountain for more than a hundred years when one fine day a skillful, skillful archer came to that part of the country who saw a creature like a fox with a fiery red pelt whose back was striped with gray. It was lying under a tree. The archer aimed and shot off its hind foot. At once it said in a human voice, I brought myself into this danger because of my love for sleep, but none may escape their fate. If you capture me, you will get at the most, no more than 5,000 pieces of copper for my pelt. Why not let me go instead? I will richly reward you so that all your poverty will come to an end. But the archer would not listen to him. He killed him, skinned him, and sold his pelt, and sure enough, he received 5,000 pieces of copper for it. From that time on, the fox spirit ceased to show itself. Now, there's a note, of course, to this story as well. The silver fox is known in Chinese as Pi, P-I, or P, maybe, I don't know, Pi. The, wor- the same word that also is being used for panthers. Since this legendary beast partakes of the nature of both animals, the old mother is really the mother goddess of the Tais Chan. But in other localities, she is chiefly honored as a child-giving goddess. A picture of the head priest of the Taoists, well, talismans painted by the head priest of the Taoists or the Taoist Pope, the so-called master of the heavens, Tian Chi, have special virtues against all kinds of sorcery and enchantments. The war god, Guan Di, also is appealed to as a savior in all sorts of emergencies. The next story is called The Queen of Heaven. The Queen of Heaven, who is also known as the Holy Mother, was in mortal life a maiden of Fukien, named Lin. She was pure, reverential, and pious in her ways, and died at the age of 17. She shows her power on the seas, and for this reason, the seamen worship her. When they are unexpectedly attacked by wind and waves, They call on her, and she is always ready to hear their pleas. There are many seamen in Fukien, and every year people are lost at sea. And because of this, most likely, the Queen of Heaven took pity on the distress 
of her people during her lifetime on earth. And since her thoughts are uninterruptedly turned toward aiding the drowning in their distress, she now appears frequently on the seas. In every ship that sails, a picture of the Queen of Heaven hangs in the cabin, and three paper talismans are also kept on shipboard. On the first she is painted with crown and scepter, on the second as a maiden in ordinary dress, and on the third she is pictured with flowing hair, barefoot, standing with a sword in her hand. When the ship is in danger, the first talisman talisman is burnt, and help comes. But if this is of no avail, then the second and finally the third picture is burned. And if no help comes, then there is nothing more to be done. When seamen lose their course among wind and waves and darkling clouds, they pray devoutly to the Queen of Heaven. Then a red lantern appears on the face of the waters, and if they follow the lantern, they will win safe out of all danger. The Queen of Heaven may often be seen standing in the skies, dividing the wind with her sword. When she does this, the wind departs for the north and south, and the waves grow smooth. A wooden wand is always kept before her holy picture in the cabin. It often happens that the fish dragons play in the seas. They are two giant fish who spout up water against one another till the sun in the sky is obscured and the seas are shrouded in a profound darkness. And often in the distance, one may see a bright opening in the darkness. If the ship holds a course straight for this opening, it will win through and is suddenly floating in calm waters again. Looking back, one may see the two fishes still spouting water and the ship will have passed directly beneath their jaws. But a storm is always near when the fish dragons swim. Therefore, it is well to burn paper or wool so that the dragons do not draw the ship down into the depths. Or the master of the wand may burn incense before the wand in the cabin. Then he must take the wand and swing it over the water three times in a circle. And if he does so, the dragons will draw in their tails and disappear. When the ashes in the censer fly up into the air without any cause and are scattered about, it is a sign that great danger is threatening. Nearly 200 years ago, an army was fitted out to subdue the island of Formosa. The captain's banner had been dedicated with the blood of a white horse. Suddenly, the Queen of Heaven appeared at the tip of the banner staff. In another moment, she had disappeared, but the invasion was successful. On another occasion, in the days of Qian Lung, the minister Chao Ling was ordered to install a new king in the Liu Qiu Islands. When the fleet was sailing by south of Korea, a storm arose and his ship was driven toward the Black Whirlpool. 
The water had the color of ink. Sun and moon lost their radiance, and the word was passed about that the ship had been caught in the black whirlpool, from which no living man had ever returned. The seaman and travelers awaited their end with lamentations. Suddenly, an untold number of lights, like red lanterns, appeared on the surface of the water. Then the seamen were overjoyed and prayed in the cabins. Ah, our lives are saved, they cried. The Holy Mother has come to our aid. And truly, a beautiful maiden with golden earrings appeared. She waved her hand in the air, and the winds became still, and the waves grew even. And it seemed as though the ship were being drawn along a mighty hand. It moved plashing through the waves, and suddenly it was beyond the limits of the black whirlpool. Chao Ling, on his return, told of this happening and begged that temples be erected in honor of the Queen of Heaven and that she be included in the list of gods, and the emperor granted his prayer. Since then, the temples of the Queen of Heaven are to be found in all seaport towns, and her birthday is celebrated on the eighth day of the fourth month with spectacles and sacrifices. Note, the Queen of Heaven, whose name is Tian Hao, or more exactly, Tian Fei Nian Niang, is a Taoist goddess of seamen, generally worshipped in all coastal towns. Her story is principally made up of local legends of Fukien province, and a variation of the Indian Marichi, who as Dichunti, with the eight arms, is the object of quite a special cult. Tian Hao, since the establishment of the Manchu dynasty, is one of the officially recognized godheads. Alright, so the next one is called the Flower Elves. Once upon a time, there was a scholar who lived retired from the world in order to gain hidden wisdom. He lived alone and in a secret place, and all about the little house in which he dwelt, he had planted every kind of flower and bamboo and other trees. There it lie, quite concealed in its thick grove of flowers. With him, he had only a boy servant who dwelt in a separate hut and who carried out his orders. He was not allowed to appear before his master unless summoned. The scholar loved his flowers as he did himself. Never did he set his foot beyond the boundaries of his garden. And it says, uh, okay, you, if you want to read an illustrated version of the story, um, it's on Amazon Kindle in Chinese Tales, an enchanting collection of 24 Chinese folk tales and fairy tales. That's what it says. I don't know why it says in the middle, but hey. But, you know, if you go to fairytales.com, you can look this up, Flower Elves. Maybe they have a link and you can, maybe they'll get a little bit of money, which would be cool for them. It chanced that... It chanced that 
Once there came a lovely spring evening. Flowers and trees stood in full bloom. A fresh breeze was blowing. The moon shone clearly. And the scholar sat over his goblet and was grateful for the gift of life. Suddenly, he saw a maiden in dark garments come tripping up in the moonlight. She made a deep curtsy, greeted him, and said, I am your neighbor. We are a company of young maids who are on our way to visit the 18 ants. We should like to rest in this court for a while and therefore ask your permission to do so. The scholar saw that this was something quite out of the common and gladly gave his consent. The maiden thanked him and went away. In a short time, she brought back a whole crowd of maids carrying flowers and willow branches. All greeted the scholar. They were charming, with delicate features and slender, graceful figures. When they moved their sleeves, a delightful fragrance was exhaled. There is no fragrance known to the human world which could be compared with it. The scholar invited them to sit down for a time in his room. Then he asked them, Whom have I really the honor of entertaining? Have you come from the castle of the Lady in the Moon? Or the Jade Spring of the Queen Mother of the West? How could we claim such high descent? Said a maiden in a green gown with a smile. My name is Salix. Then she presented another clad in white and said, This is Mistress Prunophora. Then one in rose, and this is Persica. And finally one in a dark red gown, and this is Punica. This, we are all sisters, and we want to visit the 18 Zephyr ants today. The moon shines so beautifully this evening, and it is so charming here in the garden. We are most grateful to you for taking pity on us. Yes, yes, said the scholar. Then the sober clad servant suddenly announced, the Zephyr ants have already arrived. And once the girls, at once the girls rose and went to the door to meet them. We were just about to visit you ants, they said smiling. This gentleman here had just invited us to sit for a moment. What a pleasant coincidence that you ants have come here too. This is such a lovely night that we must drink a goblet of golden nectar in honor of you ants. Thereon, they ordered the servant to bring what was needed. May one sit down here? asked the aunts. The master of the house is most kind, replied the maids, and the spot is quiet and hidden. Then they presented the aunts to the scholar. He spoke a few kindly words to the 18 aunts. They had a somewhat irresponsible and airy manner. Their words fairly gushed out, and in their neighborhood, one felt a frosty chill. Meanwhile, the servant had already brought in table and chairs. The 18 ants at the upper end of the board, the maids followed and the scholar sat down with them at the lowest place. Soon the entire table was covered with the most delicious foods and the most magnificent fruits, and the goblets were filled with a fragrant nectar. They were delights such as the world of men does not know. 
the moon shone brightly and the flowers exhaled intoxicating odors after they had partaken of food and drink the maids rose they danced and they sang sweetly the sound of their singing echoed throughout the falling gloam and their dance was like that of butterflies fluttering about the flowers the scholar was so overpowered with delight that he no longer knew whether he were in heaven or on earth when the dance had ended the girls sat down again at the table and drank the health of the ants in flowing nectar the scholar too was remembered with a toast to which he replied with well-turned phrases but the eighteen aunts were somewhat irresponsible in their ways one of them raising her goblet by accident poured some nectar on punaika's dress punaika who was young and fiery and very neat stood up angrily when she saw the spot on her red dress you are really very careless said she in her anger my other sisters may be afraid of you but i am not then the ants grew angry as well and said how dare this young chit insult us in such a manner and with that they gathered up their garments and rose all the maids then crowded about them and said punaika is so young and inexperienced you must not bear her any ill will tomorrow she shall go to you switch in hand and receive her punishment but the eighteen aunts would not listen to them and went off thereupon the maids also said farewell scattered among the flower beds and they disappeared the scholar sat for a long time lost in dreamy yearning on the following evening the maids all came back again we all live in your garden they told him every year we are tormented by naughty winds and therefore we have always asked the eighteen aunts to protect us but yesterday punaika insulted them and now we fear they will help us no more but we know that you have always been well disposed towards us for which we are heartily grateful and now we have a great favor to ask that every new year's day you make a small scarlet flag paint the sun moon and five planets on it and set it up in the eastern part of the garden then we sisters will be left in peace and will be protected from all evil but since new year's day has passed for this year we beg that you will set up the flag on the 21st of this month for the east wind is coming and the flag will protect us against him the scholar readily promised to do as they wished and the maids all said with a single voice we thank you for your great kindness and will repay it then they departed and a sweet fragrance filled the entire garden the scholar however made a red flag as described and when early in the morning of the day in question the east wind really did begin to blow he quickly set it up in the garden suddenly a wild storm broke out one that caused the forest to bend and broke the trees the flowers in the garden alone did not move then the scholar noticed that salix was the willow prunifora was the plum 
Persica, the peach, and the saucy Punica, the pomegranate, whose powerful blossoms the wind cannot tear. The 18 Zephyr ants, however, were the spirits of the winds. In the evening, the flower elves all came and brought the scholar radiant flowers as a gift of thanks. You have saved us, they said, and we have nothing else we can give you. If you eat these flowers, you will live long and avoid old age. And if you in turn will protect us every year, then we sisters too will live long. The scholar did as they told him and ate the flowers and his figure changed and he grew young again like the youth of 20. And in the course of time, he attained the hidden wisdom and was placed among the immortals. Note, Saliks, the names of the flower elves are given in the Chinese as family names, whose sound suggests the flower names without exactly using them. In the translation, the play on words is indicated by the Latin names Zephyr Ants. In Chinese, the name given the ant is Fong, in which another stylization means wind. This next story is called The Sorcerer of the White Lotus Lodge. Once upon a time, there was a sorcerer who belonged to the White Lotus Lodge. He knew how to deceive the multitude with his black arts, and many who wished to learn the secret of his enchantments became his pupils. One day the sorcerer wished to go out. He placed a bowl which he covered with another bowl in the hall of his house and ordered his pupils to watch it but he warned them against uncovering the bowl to see what might be in it. No sooner had he gone than the pupils uncovered the bowl <laughs> and saw that it was filled with clear water. And floating on the water was a little ship made of straw with real masts and sails. They were surprised and pushed it with their fingers till it upset then quickly righted it again and once more covered the bowl. By the time the sorcerer was already standing among them, he was angry and scolded them, saying, Why did you disobey my command? His pupils rose and denied that they had done so. But the sorcerer answered, Did not my ship turn turtle at sea, and yet you try to deceive me? On another evening, he lit a giant candle in his room and orders pupils to watch it lest it be blown out by the wind. It must have been at the second watch of the night and the sorcerer had not yet come back. His pupils grew tired and sleepy, so they went to bed and gradually fell asleep. When they woke up again, the candle had gone out, so they rose quickly and they relit it. But the sorcerer was already in the room and he scolded them again. Truly we did not sleep. How could the light have gone out? Angrily, the sorcerer replied, 
You let me walk 15 miles in the dark and still you can talk such nonsense? Then his pupils were very much frightened. In the course of time, one of his pupils insulted the sorcerer. The latter made note of the insult but said nothing. Soon after, he told the pupil to feed the swine, and no sooner had he entered the sty than his master turned him into a pig. The sorcerer then at once called in a butcher, sold the pig to the man, and went the way of all pigs who go to the butcher. One day, this pupil's father turned up to ask after his son, for he had not come back to his home for a long time. The sorcerer told him that his son had left him a long time ago. The father returned home and inquired everywhere for his son without success. But one of his son's fellow pupils, who knew of the matter, informed the father. So the father complained to the district mandarin. The latter, however, feared that the sorcerer might make himself invisible. He did not dare to have him arrested, but informed his superior and begged for a thousand well-armed soldiers. These surrounded the sorcerer's home and seized him together with his wife and child. The three were put into wooden cages to be transported to the capital. The road wound through the mountains and in the midst of the hills came up came a giant as large as a tree with eyes like saucers, a mouth like a plate and teeth a foot long. The soldiers stood there trembling and did not dare to move. Said the sorcerer, that is a mountain spirit. My wife will be able to drive him off. They did as he suggested, unchanged the woman and she took a spear and went to meet the giant. The latter was angered and he swallowed her tooth and nail. This frightened the rest all the more. The sorcerer said, well, if he has done away with my wife, then it is my son's turn. So they let the son out of the cage, but the giant swallowed him in the same way. The rest all looked on without knowing what to do. The sorcerer then wept with rage and said, First he destroys my wife and then my son. If only he might be punished for it. But I am the only one who can punish him. And sure enough, they took him out of his cage too, gave him a sword and sent him out against the giant. The sorcerer and the giant fought with each other for a time. And at last the giant seized the sorcerer, thrust him into his ma, stretched his neck and swallowed him. Then he went his way contentedly. And now, when it was too late, the soldiers realized that the sorcerer had tricked them. <laughs> Note, the Lodge of the White Lotus is one of the secret revolutionary societies of China. It harkens back to Tung Tian Giao Chu as its founder. Compared note to number 18, the mountain spirit, of course, is an optical illusion called up by the sorcerer by means of which he frees his family and himself from the soldiers. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I, I, I did. 
I'm going to see if I can find one small one. So we have one more. All right. I found a new one. It's very short. It's called Fox Fire. Once upon a time, there was a strong young farmer who came home late one evening from market. His way led him past the gardens of a wealthy gentleman in which stood a number of tall buildings. Suddenly he saw something shining, floating in the air inside the gardens, something which glowed like a ball of crystal. He was astonished and climbed the wall around the gardens, but there was not a human being in sight. All he saw was, at a distance, something which appeared to be a dog looking up at the moon and whenever it blew its breath out a ball of fire came out of its mouth and rose to the moon and whenever it drew its breath in the ball sank down again and it caught it in its jaws and so it went on without a stop then the farmer realized that it was a fox who was preparing the elixir of life he hid in the grass and waited until the ball of fire came down again at about the height of his own head. Then he stepped hastily from his hiding place, took it away, and at once swallowed it. And he could feel it glow as it passed down his throat into his stomach. When the fox saw what had happened, he grew angry. He looked furiously at the farmer, but feared his strength. For this reason, he did not dare attack him, but went angrily on his way. From that time on, the farmer boy could make himself invisible, was able to see ghosts and devils, and had intercourse with the spirit world. In cases of sickness, when people lay unconscious, he could call back their souls. And if someone had committed a sin, he could plead for them. He earned much money owing to these gifts. When he reached his 50th year, he withdrew from all things and would no longer exercise his arts. One summer evening, he was sitting in his courtyard enjoying the cool air. While there, he drank a number of goblets of wine and by midnight had fallen fast asleep. Suddenly he woke feeling ill. It seemed as though someone were patting him on the back. And before he knew it, the ball of fire had leaped out from his throat. At once a hand reached for it and a voice said, For thirty years you kept my treasure from me. And from a poor farmer lad you have grown to be a wealthy man. Now you have enough and I would like to have my fireball back again then the man knew what had happened but the fox was gone note the thought underlying the story is the belief that the fox prepares the elixir of life out of his own breath which he allows to rise to the moon if a thief can rob him of the elixir he gains supernatural powers all right. I hope you guys enjoyed these stories as much as I enjoyed reading them to you. 
I love to read stories and I've read, um, ever since I was even in high school, even before that, I used to read to my little brother and in high school, I volunteered and read in the library at, at my high school to the little kindergartners on through third graders. And they enjoyed my stories and they, um, now they're all grown up, (laughs) but I'm sure they remember me reading to them because I remember their little faces and how cute they were. And so I've always, I, I even used to read in Oakland at my mosque. I would read stories because the Iman knew how much I enjoyed it. I, I guess he saw it in my aura or something. He never explained how he knew, but one day he's like, I know you're really shy and you don't know very many people here, but I want you to read. So I, I started reading on Saturdays to the mosque children, sometimes on Fridays, but we had Saturday, um, Islamic school. So kind of as a treat when it was all over, I would read to the kids and I've always enjoyed that. I did Bible school and I always read to my kids. So I missed it. And I wanted to read to you guys tonight. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I wanted to mention a few days ago, we hit, uh, I hit 50,000 listens to the show and it's all thanks to you guys. So I wanted to say thank you so much for that and I'm going to keep it going. So one way I'm going to do that is if you help me, if you are so inclined by just spreading the word, liking, sharing, subscribing, and telling all your people in all of your Facebook groups, as well as your followers on Instagram and Twitter. So I wanted to thank you for all of that. Just tell people they can hear the show on all of the platforms. It's Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, as well as anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical. So um, one more way that you can help me is just right now, mark it in your calendar for July 1st. That is the first day when voting opens for the People's Choice Awards. And I would sure love to win in my category of spirituality. So just mark it in your calendars today and I will give you more instructions starting in July. All right. So, well, there you have it. There's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I think what um, I'm going to start doing, and I don't know if I'm going to do it every week or not. It's up to divine because I follow the instructions of God. But I would like to read from the culture's that are being more heavily hit by these, by the coronavirus, you know? So while we hear the stories from these cultures, I want you to just send love and light and feel gratitude for these rich cultural heritage stories being passed down. And of course I'm reading them aloud so that we can appreciate these cultures all the more. So just send love and light to all the people of China today. And next week we'll pick another culture. All right, guys, that's it. I'll be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. And tomorrow is earth changes report. And if we have time, weird news, (laughs) I always love doing the strange news tales. So hopefully we'll get to do that tomorrow. And that's it, guys. I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much. 
for listening. We're all in this ascension together, and I'm glad we can have fun along the way, too. But right now, I am signing off with peace and joy and high vibes from the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.